<laughs> I love that voice it does. It's so loud. So friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, hello everyone and welcome to A Talk With, my unedited, mainly slightly edited now, uh, podcast type thing where I get guests on and I talk to them unscripted, on no prepared questions, nothing, just a general conversation. Uh, I'm here with Mr. Tardis, aka William Garvel, and introduce yourself. Hi, hi everyone. Hi, thank you so much for having me on today. Really appreciate uh, this chat. Uh, just really looking forward to it, really. But yeah, uh, my name is Will. Uh, I go online by Mr. Tardis, and uh, I've been doing Doctor Who discussions and stuff on YouTube for about 11, 12 years now. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the old guard, I, I think that's, that's the classification. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so first things I really want to talk about is, because um, I recently met Sophie Aldred recently, again, oh, nice. I've met her quite a few times this year, and we did get onto the conversation, because she was on your big live stream, uh, I just mm. wanted to ask what was that like, uh, doing a huge live stream, getting so many guests on, preparing content for it, and what gave you the idea? Oh, well, it was tiring. I'll, I'll tell you that the original idea was maybe to do a 24 hour live stream. And mm. I'm so very glad I didn't. But <laughs> it, well, because I'd been doing up at that point, I've been live streaming for about six or seven months, roughly. Um, I started live streaming back in April, May of 2021. And it was something that I wanted to do because I'm, yeah. I just can't stop talking really. So <laughs> I thought that it really uh, was just a, di- a way for me to be able to regularly talk about Doctor Who and make uh, videos and keep the discussion going because I normally do That's edited reviews. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So I, I, I tend to do like edited discussion and reviews and stuff, but those can be quite, quite time consuming. And I just can't stop talking about Doctor Who, I guess. So I started doing live streams and it became like a highlight of the week as well. So as I was doing more and getting more confident with it, I was thinking that maybe I could do like a marathon or something a bit more substantial. Uh, and because this was like, because uh, what I, one thing I really like to try and talk about in the media industry is like worker advocacy and freelancers in the TV and film industry have had a rotten couple of years where they've been, basically they've had their industry shut down and restarted. And that's happened to a lot of people, of course. I, I don't think anyone is free from consequences of the pandemic and everything that's happened. But if people in the TV and film industry in particular are typically what uh, what you'd call PAYE, pay as you earn, which means that their income is recorded and taxed and everything, but they're not employed by an employer. They're self-employed, but they still get their tax taken out of their weight slips. It's like a, it's the semi-automatic, if we're using like a car analogy here, of being employed. But that meant that they weren't able to get any uh, self-employment assistance. It meant they weren't eligible for furlough. It meant that despite in an industry predominantly shutting down for several months, no income was coming in and there, no, and neither was any assistance. So because of that, I wanted to try and at least do my bit and be able to raise money for the film and TV charity, which is a brilliant organization that's uh, helped many friends of mine personally like get into just better financial situations and more stability. And I thought, yeah, I could get some people together because normally for these live streams, I'll just get people from the community or people who just want to chat. Uh, and that's always fun, but I thought I wanted to keep it a bit more focused, people who are working within the industry. So I got Billy Garrett John, who's a freelance researcher in TV. Uh, I got Joe uh, Joseph Lidstow, who's a writer, Paul Cornell as well. 
and Sophie Eldred was one as well. And that was a terrific chat as well. Uh, I was able to organize that because uh, I had a lot of help, of course, from Josh Carr, from Who Knew, from Adam Martin, from AMTV. They really helped out uh, to get the guest list rolling. And because Sophie Eldred had chatted with Josh Carr on the Who Knew podcast, he was able to get me in touch with her agent, asked, is this what you, would you be up for doing this? This is the cause. And she was up for it. Um, she had to cancel because of an illness. Uh, I think it was like a throat. Um, some, yeah, I, she, it wasn't COVID to my knowledge, just bad throat. So we had to push it back another week, but we got chatting and it was great. So yeah. And it was during that interview where she maybe possibly could have let slip that she was centenary yeah yeah or like or like she she done something for the revival or because she mentioned in modern tv they do continuous filming days mm. and she was like well so i'm told on doctor who they do this and that you know makes sense she's got friends who work on the show yeah, but then you, when it turns yeah. out yeah yeah it's an educated guess I mean, and she she works in the industry i um, i met her uh i think two days before she was announced to be in the centenary so I was like, that was like the, the penultimate convention before it was announced, Bedford. It's a very nice convention, you know, like small Doctor Who focused one. It's, uh, but yeah, I met her there. Um, I met her prior to that as well. I've met her three times this year. Um, mm. And uh, the recent one, I met her at LFCC, the most recent mm. LFCC, which was, um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great event. Uh, of course, it was uh, mishandled a lot, apparently. But um <laughs> I have a, uh, I, I talked to Sophie. I, I didn't have any money for an autograph, but I like going up and you know saying hello. She recognized mm-hmm. me from Bedford because uh, yeah. I wear my um my doctor's outfit occasionally when I go to these conventions, and it, you know she's just wonderful. And we we talked about uh the live stream and the podcast she's been on, and it was a wonderful conversation. And then after the convention finished, I was just minding my own business, walking towards the train station, and. Uh, I bump into someone and I instantly recognize the voice as Sophie with like her luggage and uh, we're both going to the train station and uh, I'm on the other side of the platform and she's at the other side of the platform. She just gives me the biggest wave and I just <laughs> waved back and it was a wonderful Aww. moment. She really is brilliant. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, uh, live, live streaming is quite a skill to have really. It's, it's, well, it's, it's an amazing skill to have um, to be talking on the fly and going for so long as well. Um, I, couldn't do 24 hours let i couldn't do <laughs> three hours let alone 24 yeah the three or four hour ones uh i don't I, often i tell my wife like oh no i'll only be a couple of hours and then five hours later is when i'm heading back upstairs um i don't mean for it to go that long it just it just it just happens sometimes mm-hmm. but I, thankfully mm-hmm. for that 12 hour one the sophie Aldred interview was a pre-record because yeah. they weren't able to do it live um because it was also on a weekday i think it was a thursday when was the uh anniversary last year because it was on doctor Ooh. who's 59th anniversary that was on a well it was on a tuesday so it was a weekday people are like they have lives uh, if it was Ooh. a weekend or an evening or something but, uh, that evening we were joined by jamie magnus stone uh as well so like as as you know people have a uh, a healthy work-life balance they work and then they come home and did the <laughs> did the interview um so yeah that was great as well that was a massive highlight as well and he also revealed he was a subscriber of my channel and knew some <laughs> of my in jokes which you see my reaction on the stream i and plus i'm like 10 hours in and i'm talking to the director of village of the angels which just had that cliffhanger oh so, I mean, that was amazing that cliffhanger yeah, but Sophie Aldred was a great uh, sport as well because I met her. It was like the last thing I did before lockdown happened in 2020. It was the season 
uh, it was for no, it was a book signing for at Childhood's End, and mm. that was she came to Fab Cafe in Manchester and she did a, a quick Q and A and a quick uh, moderated panel, and she told the same story that I asked her about on the live stream mm. about the water tank incident from Battlefield. Ah, the infamous Battlefield uh, story. Yeah. And she, mm. she's done, she's told that story like oh, she probably has told it three times this week. But because I asked her about it and about crew and working in the, she's she's game for it absolutely, and that's that's a great sport as well. Oh yeah. Um, she could have just said, well, well you know the story. You, you were there. Like, so, I mean, but, we all know it, but it's a pleasure to hear her talk about it. Honestly, it's it's always great hearing her mm. talk about it in her own words. But uh, yeah. Um, how do you deal with like um because I know over like lots of Twitter and everything there's a lot of backlash and a lot of like all the time there's a lot of toxicity on Twitter and all social media. How do you deal with that like when it happens live and in general because that's a big thing nowadays. Is um I don't take it too seriously. Yeah, because um, yeah, at the end of the day it is a uh like, it is a TV show and it's a commute like. I know that some people do take the show very seriously, and mm. I do, of course. Like I talk about it every week. There is a degree of seriousness that I do take it, but I, I think um, you can do that without being like uh, I don't even know what the phrase like really combative about it. Like, yeah. By all means, if you're passionate about something, like fight in your corner and you get your opinions out there. But I think there's a there's a a lot of needless condescension as well. Mm. And I, so I'm guilty of it as well. Like, but I like to think that those moments, yeah, I like to think those moments are the are the exception rather than like mm. just the baseline approach that I take to it. Like maybe ten years ago, I was maybe like more pretentious as I was just growing up and getting out of teenage angst. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, yeah, I talk about it all the time. But if if I see drama on Doki Who Twitter, I tend to either like maybe prod the bear just for, like maybe just to draw attention to this is a bit silly or i just steer clear of it mm. a lot of the people who start supposed drama have me blocked anyway so yeah. i tend to not see it which is fine i'm fine by me out of sight out of mind don't really want so, certain individuals in the community anyway so it works mm-hmm. out for me but on, on live stream it doesn't tend to happen that often sometimes i'll get people who naturally disagree and that's fine that's the nature of the conversation but that combative nature uh, I think when they know that I'm actually talking about it, like they they see I'm live. Oh, yeah, Whereas yeah. if it's on Twitter, someone's tweeted something out and then comes back an hour later and they're the villain for the day. Mm-hmm. There is that abstraction. Whereas on a live stream, if somebody wants something clarified or disagrees, I can yeah. I immediately respond and clarify or have a rebuttal like immediately and ready to go. Of course, and very professionally, um, might I add. Very oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, it's it's just a case of trying to, uh, especially for live streams, because if if I say something terrible, that is clipped. People can take that forever. Oh yeah. I'm not yeah. saying I'm I'm intending to or planning to, but mm. it's um, <laughs> but it's it yeah. So you maybe a bit be a bit careful with the words or immediately think. Is is that what I meant to say? Is that like like? But don't be afraid to like vocalize your thought process oh, as yeah. well. It it gets rid of the silence of live streams. So sometimes it's needed. Sometimes mm. I will spend ten seconds being like, okay, let's get my windows open. Let's get my things going. Um, but yeah, people are here for it, and I'm glad that there's people who watch me every week. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. Uh, uh, most people take the show seriously, most if not all, and also have fun alongside that. I think if we didn't take the show seriously, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be uh, making content, that's for one. But also it's a it's a fun show about aliens and 
there's a lot of politics in it, uh, lots mm -hmm. of politics. It's non-stop politics, and rightfully so. Uh, and I can understand why someone would take that side of it seriously. Uh, but mm -hmm. of course, there are ways to focalize opinions as well as, you know, the wrong ways to do so, which a lot of, that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think it's about picking your battles really as well. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, for example, I don't like Magician's Apprentice and the Witch's Familiar, the season yeah. nine opener. And I'll, I'll talk about it, but I won't like get deadly serious mm -hmm. about it. What, because then if you, if you get so serious about something as inconsequential as a, Peter Capaldi sees an opener from 2015. Yeah. Uh, then when, for example, so, uh, you hear stories about misconduct on the, like, on the set of the show or something polit in the political sphere, which means that people who work on the show or in the industry are going to be affected and harmed, You've got nowhere, like, you've got nowhere else to go. And you also don't know, you've got to compartmentalize the serious discourse yeah. And the actual meaningful serious discourse, which is why I'm often quite angrily violent on Twitter politically. Mm. But when it but when it comes to Doctor Who, uh, much less so. Yeah. It's about pick, picking the right battles, I guess. I think um, yeah, that 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 uh, was uh, is a good segue into like something that I've been involved in the drama that I've been involved in recently, which was the Noel Clark situation with mm. uh, Sophia Miles doing that safe space. That was um. That was, uh, I've been in three recent dramas recently, trying to avoid it, but uh, <laughs> uh, two toxic fan creators and a, well, no Clark. And that was, that was, <laughs> it was certainly something. That was all going on while I was going to Comic-Con. And there was, there's different levels of drama, as you said. There's more serious, like, the Noel Clark, Sophia Miles um, drama, which, uh, of course, uh, I went on to the safe space and told Noel Clark he had no place in this fandom, which, or anywhere for that matter. And then there's also tackling a toxic fan creator. There's like two very different levels there. I think that's that's definitely a theme with like Doctor Twitter, Instagram. I find mm. Instagram more so, especially if you think Twitter's bad, Instagram is it wasn't uh, good. <laughs> yeah, Instagram is just for me at least like I don't have a Mr. Tardis account on mm. instagram it's it's my account and i get a lot of requests of like i can tell doctor who fan 93 it's like mm. thank you for the follow request but i'm gonna deny that like that's it's from that's my yeah. space Same here. um yeah I'm but, really but, uh accepts people that i work with or write with or people that i'm happy to know more about my personal life yeah it's the same for facebook as well mm. like i've got i do have a mr titus facebook that i haven't <laughs> touched for like two years because it's all thumbs up facebook yeah 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 but um yeah and some people sometimes i'll get a facebook friend request or a uh or a dm and it's like i'm good nah, mm, I, yeah you want to reach me i've got an email i've got a live stream i've got twitter that's that's the avenue and mo for the most part people respect that but mm. for you going on that uh safe space as well from sophia miles like pro props to you like i'm not i'm not gonna say that because you've invited me here uh but no like it it takes gusto to actually go to uh, an alleged uh, abuser with authority and power like someone who i believe was the head of a production company might still be i don't know the legal in and outs of that uh, and actually like yeah. telling like, like telling it as it is did you know he's a twitch streamer by the way he he was oh, a, no 
yeah, Noel was a Twitch streamer. He streamed. Uh, I thought he meant he still was. Like he's there in his like gamer chair playing Minecraft he, or something. I mean, he was. He was. Uh, he, he was. I'm not sure if he's still doing it now. I've not really bothered to check. But uh, he he used to stream games every like Sunday. It was. It's wow. proper mad that he like had a platform like after also, it all happened, and he still. It's always the gamers. It's always the gamers. <laughs> no, but like, t- to be fair to Twitch, I'm guessing it was on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like. I guess you can't like ban somebody because mm. of behavior outside of the platform because that's just a yeah. A whole... I'm not I'm not too sure on all the Twitch uh, terms and service. I mean they they're not great with banning and you know they can. But yeah, he, he was a Twitch streamer. It, it was my heart was racing before I went on to that. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, it's like uh, she'd gotten like uh, a lot of people to talk about um, nice moments with Noel at a convention, and it's like they knew all about him in that two minutes. And like mm-hmm. she was saying, she said several stuff that um, caught me off guard because I was in before Noel joined the call mm-hmm. um, and he appeared and I thought, oh shit, is she going to block him? Is she going to remove him? Mm. And then she started to go on about her friend for 20 years and how he's been serving false allegations and how um... then they went on about censoring the media. Um, they wanted to censor the Guardian specifically and went on for like 10 minutes about how they're going to try and censor it. And then she used cancel culture. Um, she said something about um, Noel not going after her when she was at her hottest in her her quotes. It was insane. Yeah. It was insane. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that happened. Um, yeah, moving on from that bit. Uh, I mean, uh, I, uh, I've watched your um, when it came out. I watched your thirteenth photo audio story, by the way, which was oh, uh, thank you. What's it like making that? That was a lot of fun. That was basically. Because as I mentioned earlier, I was in an industry where everything had locked down and shut and shut mm. down for a few months. Thankfully, I was able to do like part time work for like news and current affairs on the production mm. side because that was considered to be like an essential service to yeah. like broad broadcasting was technically considered an essential service, which was mm. another loophole, which meant that if you're in an essential service, you should be working so you don't get furlough or assistance, even though you've no, we can't. We're not allowed to go on the set. Um, but news was something that could keep on going. So I was able to do that for a, a little bit. But because I had that free time, I was able... I'd had this idea for a couple of years. For I was um, part of the uh, TARDIS posting, which is like a Facebook meme group for Doctor mm-hmm. Who. Part of it, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they were like, hey, we're wanting to maybe put together some like fan stories. And I thought, you know, I've, I'll join this group and I'll take a look. So there was like... 10 of us who were just like brainstorming ideas. So they were the first ones to hear about it. Mm. Uh, and they also like, they knew that I had my online stuff and that, that this is the avenue I might want to take at some point do like an audio story or a script read. And then once lockdowns happened, I'd already had like a mostly finished first draft by the time that happened. And then when I had a bit more time, I finished that draft, did a couple more and then decided to take it a bit further because I just thought it'd be a fun thing to do just to know if I'd be able to do it. Because one thing I'd want to try and get do more of is script writing. But mm. when you do it profe- in a professional capacity, you are given specifications and limitations. So I thought, let's do a spec script for the current Doctor Who run. So that's the 13th Doctor, Yaz, Ryan, and Graham as the companions. Because mm. you could hypothetically, here's my here's my version of the doctor here's my companions and setting which which you know you can do that but i thought that it's maybe a bit more interesting for me at least to be given specific lego pieces and to see what i build from it 
Yeah. As opposed to just the limitless. Like Doctor Who is limitless and it's oh, it's yeah. like yeah, it's a it's a limitless sandbox, but it's still a sandbox, if that makes mm. sense. There are still some restrictions. But yeah, so being able to do that, and I just thought a bank heist would be fun. Doctor Who does a bank heist, and I I think time heist of course it's the closest thing to it but yeah. you get like beyond the first 15 20 ish minutes you kind of it lose a very kind of different plot with kind of a flavor of a bank heist mm. but not not full on yeah yeah but i like how it does play with time towards mm. the end and the order of events so yeah it does it but in its own unique way and i thought no let, let's get a story where they have to crack the safe let's get the story where um it, they're actually going across the road where you've got the gadgets and the gizmos mm. and uh, and stuff like that uh, and i uh, yeah i also just thought that because i'm not actually making the scripts so if, if it were to ever be made somebody else has to deal with the logistics of inventing a fictional football game with exclo- with explosive footballs stuff like that i thought was just <laughs> I, it's it, it seems like fun world building yeah uh, for the first 15 20 minutes and then actually ties in towards the end which uh, which which i think not to pat myself too hard on the back i thought was pretty was, was pretty clever um but yeah, and, and of course, like I'd be nothing with that production without the incredible like people who helped me to make it with like Thomas Field doing his score for it as well, uh, with Wendy Abrahams and uh, Shannon uh, Dwayne with uh, Jonathan Carley of course, uh, with their with their vocal talents and like Alia uh, as well, who's just like the, one of the most like committed people I've ever. Oh met. yeah, I've, like, I've worked with Alia quite a few times. She is amazing. Uh, like mm. every voice she does, she puts her all into it. Mm. Mm. And she was like WhatsApping me about like the character and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that like nobody else was committed to the project, but it it was like clear that she was like really invested. Mm. And like, I, yeah, if, if, I hope she goes far. I sincerely do. I hope everyone yeah, does as well, of mm. course. But I think, uh, yeah, um, I've worked with Alia a few times on like two audio, no, quite a few audios I've done. Uh, she, um, uh, I, I often like to give her a challenge because, you know, she's, she really does put her all into it. I, I, I gave her, um, first one we worked on together was this kind of what if missy owned a podcast because she was playing <laughs> missy and yeah. uh, it was just her, was a great like, missy it was just her ranting and going bonkers for like 20 minutes and <laughs> then and then there's this moment where she just gets so angry and it's like it feels so genuine and she did one like as susan in an, an adult susan in another um audio of mine and she and again anger but i believe um she did it all in one take and it was she went proper like to another level of anger with that and she genuinely is one of the one of the best collaborators i've ever worked with one of the best voice actors and (laughs) yeah she that she genuinely deserves to go far of course yeah um, yeah and with her when i i i also went into audios uh making and making an audio and then going into further audios during the pandemic which is how i got my start uh, I threw myself into it and self-taught myself. I had a few, you know, flops at first, but as soon as I like started to learn, I properly went into it. And it, it genuinely is—it's uh, a brilliant medium. And of course, I view—I—I uh, I, with my series Dark Days, I went more into the toy box aspect of it, less hmm. the more limitless route. While of course you work within the limited route, I feel like there are definitely there are merits to both. For sure, there mm-hmm. are tons of merits to limitless and limited. Uh, and it's just brilliant. I, I love viewing all these stories on all these channels and people really harnessing their creativity. I think it's I think it's amazing. 
Yeah, I, I think that we're um, sort of in the slipstream of the work that Big Finish have done as well. Like, yeah. I, I think if it weren't for Big Finish, we wouldn't even think about doing Dark 2 audio oh, stories, no. but, but because they've sort of given legitimacy to the medium for Doctor Who stories. Like, I know that there were audio stories and radio stories before Big Finish. There was yeah. Slip Back and a few others as well. I mean, if, if it wasn't for Big Finish, we'd be stuck with BBV, and we all know what BBV are like. Oh, yeah. With, oh, what's that ferret's name? Yeah, uh, Millbags. The... Millbags. <laughs> and I was thinking the robot ferret that's meant to be the canine, but it's an actual ferret. <laughs> well, Millbags still works. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, he, he I'm glad good. that. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah, that's actual. Uh, that's that's something worth getting angry about. I don't care if you think Into the Dalek is the worst story ever. This stuff. Mm. Let's let's fight the real mis- injustice in the world. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Call me off guard. Um, yeah, they're they're <laughs> still kicking. They're still. Uh, they they've recently done. Um, there, there was this whole drama of the faction paradox stuff. And they, uh, oh, that goes over my. I think I mentioned it on stream the other mm. day. You say faction paradox, and I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Uh, well, um, well, it's very, I wouldn't say complex. It gets a lot of stigma for being like that complicated, like all over the place, uh, side of who. But it's there, there are some genuinely good stories there. But uh, BBV because they could only really get the niche signed to Doctor Who. They could only really get the rights to those sort of niche, you know, obscure, um properties within the universe faction paradox was theirs and now they've continued making stories without having the license so yeah, they're doing it. a brigadier some a brigadier story I yeah think. they're making brigadier stuff as well they are mm. and it's only bill backs he's the only person running it um mm. and uh not only that but then he uh he he still hires brett underwood doesn't he I, mean, I think I, I believe so yeah, yeah. I, I think even though he knows full well, like because I think he's acknowledged it on his social medias. So, mm. yeah, the the main thing to really do is to just, if if no uh, actual uh, tangible consequences are going to come to them, it's just a case of maybe just ignoring them and letting them go into obscurity. I guess. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, they did. We, that we, last... we can still point and laugh, but oh yeah, oh yeah. But we just just don't just don't buy the adventures of of Bez. There's the robot ferret. Christ. And then there was like there was one um called Audio Adventures in Time and Space, and it was the Professor and Ace. Mm. They were still called Ace. And it was mm. the Aldrin and Sylvester reprising their roles. And it was literally just changing it to the Professor and uh, just not mentioning the TARDIS or how they got mm. there. Um yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Because because there was kind of a place for it in the nineties, of course, oh, yeah. when there when there was no um, Doctor Who, but you were able to do, um, uh, like, there was like the the Zero Imperative, where, where like John Pertwee yeah. in it as like a Doctor and, type person, and the uh, Stranger with um, Colin Baker, and mm-hmm. uh, that uh, infamous image of uh, Colin Baker and Sophie Aldred in that cave. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sophie actually mentioned that at the convention I mentioned. They actually oh. do mention BBV. They think it's not around anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. I imagine that they don't get calls anymore. Oh, no, I, I'm pretty sure all of them refuse to work with BBV after not like getting proper pay or something. It, it, oh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah it blends, I heard about that. Rather, it blends back to the beginning of this talk and your live stream about, uh, of course, uh, uh, people being exploited and, uh, you know, in the industry and how that that side and how it can be very, very, well, terrible. It can be awful. I mean, um, I want to work in the industry one day. 
that's for sure. I mean, I'm uh, going to film and screen uh, university later on in the mm -hmm. year, so I hope to harness my uh, creative uh, thoughts and try and get into the industry. So I do. Uh, I really appreciate that um, your live stream and the company's making it a safer industry to go into. No, no I, I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to um, talk about, because funnily enough, throughout all these talks, I don't think I've actually talked about the 60th once, because I, I, I've mentioned wanting to talk about it, and we, and like I think it was like uh, I was talking to Jack Reeves and Abby Louise, and um, I mentioned, oh, we should talk about this later. We didn't. <laughs> we, just, <laughs> we just completely forgot about it. So I, I mainly, uh, of course, says David Tennant and Catherine Tate returning, and of course, that's very, that's going to be brilliant, and it's it's... Amazing. But of course, the main return is Beep the Meep. And I wanted to ask you about that and your thoughts on the Beep, the Meep. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I learned to. One, one reason I do love doing the live streams is that I learn these things very publicly and with an audience. Like, I don't, I don't know anything about Beep the Meep. I guess <laughs> I know of Beep the Meep. So it's mm. like, okay, apparently this is a thing. Folks, let's look it up together. And then <laughs> I did and discovered the Beep the Meep song which I listened to live and that was very fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it just, yeah, it's wild. I, what they've done is really interesting with the 60th. I don't think it's a deliberate marketing strategy, mm. but they've been, they did, the, they started with the location filming and like the big yeah. outdoor stuff. And now they've moved to studio, which is why there's so few leaks or photos or anything coming out over the past, yeah. uh, shall we say month, month and a half, because they've now moved to studio. Mm. Um, and I'd imagine they've got things for the most part pretty uh, cordoned off there. So it just meant that we had all of this influx of information and casting mm. because they, to my, I believe that they only announced like David Tennant, Catherine Tate, Neil Patrick Harris, Yasmin Finney, and even Shooty Gatwa to an mm. extent because we're going to go out in Bristol in a few yeah. weeks' time and everyone's going to see him. We're going to be in Camden Market pushing uh, Bernard Cribbins around oh, in a yes. wheelchair. Which yeah. is which is bonkers, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what it, what what happens there. I think Shooty Gat was casting was mainly announced when it was because we're not actually bringing him back. We're not. He's not going to be the next Doctor after Jodie, possibly. For for oh, as far as we're aware, yeah, it's going to be David Tennant. But we want mm -hmm. everyone to know that the future is going to be different. We're just taking a sidestep for a year. Yeah, I think there's a lot of unnecessary outrage. I understand why people would be angry to an extent if David Tennant was the 14th Doctor. But um, at the same time, it, it wouldn't be any different to like um, have David Tennant in that role for an episode. It, it wouldn't mm -hmm. be any different to like it being like an illusion or anything. We'd still have David Tennant. We'd still, it's just the context is something that people wouldn't like. And I've seen people like saying, Oh, we won't watch the episode of Easter 14th. And it makes no makes no sense to me. I understand not liking the context, but mm. and they'll definitely watch the episode, let's face it. They're definitely gonna go out of their way to watch <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and but um, you know, I, I, the idea of retro regeneration, as it's called, is a thing. It has happened, not on the shows per se, but in the audios and the comics and the books. Uh I understand people not accepting it, but we've also had like the curator, and there's like plenty of evidence. Uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts on David Tennant returning to the role? Um, honestly, because I am someone who is now 
was keeping my finger on the pulse of the other Doctor Who stuff, except Faction Paradox. That's just gone. Mm-hmm. That's passed me by for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. It felt. It kind of feels like he's still never left. Like he he was in the fiftieth, mm-hmm. of course. He's yeah. done big finish for a few years. Um, it was even a thing before it was announced that Jodie was leaving where it felt like every other week, big finish were like, and here's another 10th doctor box set. And you know, it's great that we've, we've got more David Tennant and that he's still so involved in the show and the character. Like you listen to him in big finish. He's not like lost a step. Like he's still invested Mm. in having so much fun with it. Um, and whatever helps him and his like 10 kids, like dude's a machine, but for, for, for the 60th of frame coming back, I think it's, it's cool. I, I think, um, whether or not he's actually the 14th or shoot, he's the 15th or what, yeah. the numberings completely arbitrary at oh, this yeah, point, yeah, yeah. like completely. ever since, yeah, ever since John Hurt and, uh, Joe Martin, like there's the, the official numbering that will appear on calendars and merch and stuff like that. But the actual, yeah. uh, the canonical numbering that's that went out the window years ago, and it's best mm. to to not take that too serious. But yeah, as I, I, I'm glad that they did um, actually say and let us know that Shooting Gower is the next Doctor, but David Tennant's going to be the placeholder for a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, while he's been in Big Finish as well, I'm glad that kind of given him 13's TARDIS still the, mm. the exterior at least giving him a new costume so while he is kind of returning to who on screen it will feel a bit newer new mm. regenerated rejuvenated it will it won't look the same in a way it'll be different but like what we're used to but kind of even if he acts like 10 which from what we've seen he most definitely will mm. it will still be a new aesthetic a new look a new story so um I'm kind of excited, you know, I'm very excited. Yeah, and, and nobody knows more uh, the optics or the potential uh, uh, like the potential issue with going back to another Doctor when you're trying to bring the show forward than Russell T. Davis. Like, he, mm. he'll know the concerns. If it was just... Uh, if it was almost anybody else who was involved in the 60th anniversary and everything moving forward, I think we would have more cause for concern. Yeah. But because this is Russell, who even before he was showrunner in 2005, he would put Doctor Who references in Queer as mm. Folk. He was a fan. He's oh, he's yeah. one of us. <laughs> uh, but even like way before uh, me and you, of course. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, yeah he's, he's a big fan. And he'll know like almost more than anyone uh, what would undermine a... Uh, what, what would undermine the legacy of the show mm. or what would take away from it. I think he's, he's a very, very smart dude very big brain i think that it's it's in safe hands and he'll maybe find oh. some way to subvert it or hand wave it away there was a great clip in a um interview with toby haydock for big finish where he was te- he almost put in a line for during his era about the half human line from the tv movie it's like oh yeah i'm no, i'm, I'm yeah, a time lord I've heard of that from the end of time part two wasn't it that um, yeah yeah, yeah like, he, it, oh it was just a phase it was just yeah a... well, it, it was just like a 24-hour cold like, yeah like, yeah he's like oh, no I'm, I'm a time lord well, except for 1999 when i was a human for like i got over it like a 24-hour cold he decided not to throw he decided to not put the line in because mm. it, maybe like would have undercut the dramatic moments and like yeah. that's the tv movie you didn't want to like invalidate that oh, but yeah. it's that it's that care of the legacy that's come before him or at least the acknowledgement of it mm. one of my favorite moments of his run is in journey's end 
when Davros recognizes Sarah Jane. Yeah. Oh my god. That, then... You you could have ignored that completely. And like there's no like face-to-face proper encounter between the two in that story. You could have got away with it. But and no, then... he actually brings it up. I tell you what, there's um there there was a cut scene that was cut earlier on due to budget reasons and what they were capable of, but Russell Davis actually wrote an entire origin story out for Davros based on what we'd heard in Genesis. He actually hmm. wrote like um uh the fire that happened that burnt his skin um him as a child looking out onto the surface of a destroyed scar at war mm. uh similar to what happened in the magician's apprentice eventually a lot of what's cut from journey's end still influences the show like the prime minister getting exterminated obviously led on to revolution and um yeah uh, i mean uh he he really has a love for the show and what i'll say about rusty davis is get your writer who can write Love and Monsters and Children of Earth. I mean, that it's like yeah, he can pretty much write anything in the show, and it will it will be brilliant. It will it will understand what the show needs to be, even when not everybody likes it. It will still be Doctor Who. It won't mm. be boring, and it'll always be entertaining. That's what Doctor Who needs to be. Yeah, and, like, and Russell's always been a really good writer, of course. But but since mm. Doctor Who, oh, it, yeah. like it, it's not like he's floundered as a writer and he's crawling back to the mm. show. Like no shame on people who have a massive success and then can't top yeah. it, of course. But like it's a sin. Years and years, English Scandal, Cucumber Tofu. Like he it, he's like he's not crawling back to the BBC. That's yeah. That's yeah. not what's happened here. He's doing it out of sheer passion, and I actually um. I went to the It's a Sin panel at the BFI uh, recently, mm. and he was there, and he was speaking so passionately. He, he wasn't actually asked about Doctor Who, which I was honestly so surprised about, because that was, like, after the 60th had been announced, after he'd been coming back. I expected, like, every question to be about Doctor Who, and I'm glad it wasn't. I'm so glad it wasn't. Mm. Um, but, yeah, he speaks so passionately about every project he's involved in. Um, he's so passionate about Doctor Who. I mean, even in It's a Sin, he had the 80s Dalek sequence based yeah. on um, Resurrection. That was insane. He references Doctor Who pretty much everywhere he goes. And, he, you know, there were scripts he's done for Big Finish, which are out now. Uh, Mind of a Hodiak. He, uh, mm. uh, Damaged Goods was... Um, it wasn't recent, but that was uh, adapted by another writer. But he obviously had some involvement. He directed them in how to use Torchwood going on um, mm-hmm. with their Series 5. So it, it, he is an incredible writer, and I'm very happy to have him back in the show. We should probably end this call and start a new one, because it's... I was going to say, I'm, I'm not going to start a new point, because we've got a minute left on the timer. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back. Cool. And we're back. Uh, um, and talking of the BFI, actually, because, of course, uh, I'm your BFI correspondent. <laughs> and, uh, the on-running joke goes on. Um uh and we actually did first uh get in contact uh uh because i went to what was what was the bfi event i went to it was evil of the daleks yes that was the first one that kind of of course they'd gotten attention prior but when evil of the daleks was announced it went like wildfire everybody just knew about it instantly and uh thankfully i i managed to get tickets that was where i also met dominic g martin recently uh mm-hmm. no not recently but where when i first met dominic g martin who i was on the comic con panel with like a week later um <laughs> and it's also where i met you as well at the galaxy forum which we had that uh, video that you put on your channel of you because <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah, i i needed to make it work in the context of the joke so I, when people were on twitter asking me oh, are you off to the bfi off to the bfi i couldn't tell them it had to be a surprise for the stream mm. i mean it's always a really fun event i'm surprised galaxy 4 was the one to uh like attract like 
all the big like big YouTubers and streamers and everyone, like everyone kind of came down for that. Like there was Davis there, Josh Card, Dude, uh Jack Alexander, they were all there. Like everyone, um uh, a lot of, and like Faris was there, uh, Faris was there as well. Um JXC was there. I mean it was insane. Uh that, yeah. that in particular. I, I you'd expect it for like City of there for like uh if they ever like did Curse of Fenric, well they did do Curse of Fenric and I missed it. And I'm very annoyed that I missed it because I love Curse of Fenric. But you'd expect it for like City of Death or something, but uh, Galaxy 4, that was the popular one. I'm I'm quite shocked about that and still shocked. But yeah. Um... Uh, uh, speak for yourself. I was waiting for my boy the Chumbleys. That was <laughs> uh, that was <laughs> I don't I don't leave Manchester for anything less than a Chumbley. Mm. I tell you what, uh, we should have. Uh, they should have done a time lash for season twenty-two because that would have gotten everyone. I feel like they should put like the inherently like less like popular stories on. Like if they ever do new Who of series two, they should do Love and Monsters. I will. No, no, they should do Idiots Lantern. Do it like and really see what what crowd. I no disrespect to Idiots Lantern, mm. but even mm. Love and Monsters has Love a and Monsters. I have um. I have a brand of, well, it's pretty much become my brand now of me loving Love and Monsters, which I do. I think it's a genuine, like, 9 out of 10 episode. I think it's I think it's brilliant. Um, I love that episode. But it's kind of become my brand that I mention it. I'm like, I went on Battles <laughs> and Fandom. I was on episode one, and they asked, hmm. um, they asked I was with uh, uh, Davis and Philip Hawkins, and uh, one of the questions was, what episode would you, uh, uh, what episode would you put on during a first date? And of course, me being me, Set Love and Monsters, while they said uh, Girl in the Fireplace and A Christmas Carol. And I just, um, I, I pretty much just made it into like a, a comedy routine and I couldn't stop laughing during my answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, like I, I'd mentioned all the relationships in like this, uh, Elton and Ursula, um, Doctor and Rose, um, the group as together, Victor Kennedy and the Doctor, you know, they, they all have this kind of love life. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just couldn't stop laughing. But, yeah, the love of monsters at the BFI, I can imagine, like, the uproar when um, the ending comes on and the paving stuff shows up. Or, like, when Klom is mentioned or when Jackie shows up. I, I expect it, it, they should do it. I'm going to create a, 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 a like, everyone, like, doing uh saying just release love and monsters in the bfi but um we'll I get that petition we'll get that petition going petition. that's what yes. i was looking for uh, yeah but i yeah i can guarantee when the electric light orchestra starts playing that cla- the audience are going to start clapping along to it <laughs> yeah i expect nothing but a round of applause by the end of it um but, well, it'd be fun to maybe see if you can get um russell t davis peter k mm. uh who plays out mark, mark warren mark warren yeah that'd uh, be fun uh, yeah, yeah, Camille Kadori, the actress uh, who plays Ursula as well. I'm terrible with names. Mm. But yeah, that'd be a full, like a fun, like five some to get for the BFI oh, yeah, to do a Q and A. I imagine they'll um, they'll probably do Army of Ghosts Doomsday because that'll obviously be the obvious choice there, or the Impossible Planets uh, Saint, but which yeah. would be that would be incredible in cinema watching the Impossible Planet. That is that all that. So Murray Gold's music in that sound system. Chef's kiss. Yes. Oh. <laughs> what about uh, like a trying to on now? Maybe not because of Noel Clark. I was thinking school reunion and girl in the fireplace. Did like yeah. a double feature? And that would be a uh... yeah. And then we would have Sophia Miles there as well. Sophia Miles and Noel Clark. It'd be like a live action safe space. <laughs> she gets her phone out at the beginning of it and just puts it on the table and is like, "I'm I'm putting this on Twitter." By the way. Mm. 
but nah. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, because I know that they've got the Abominable Snowman beer fight that's been uh, yeah, that's, confirmed. On that's going to be on third. the yeah, September 3rd. And I'm actually free that weekend, so I might try and go. I'm uh, hoping I'm free. I think um, because my uni starts in September, so I've got to check those dates. But hopefully I'll be free because I haven't actually, I haven't missed a BFI event since Evil. I've been mm. to practically all of them. They're, they're all fun all the time. Of course, it's, it's it's definitely more fun when you've got more people that you know. The kind of, you get that atmosphere, like everyone was, um, when uh, Revelation, Revelation's atmosphere was genuinely incredible, and so was City of Death. They were they were the more, of course, Revelation is quite a dark, Dalek story. But then you have like the camp kind of really funny moments between mm. a really lovable cast, um, and like um, uh, the whole galaxy, and like all those <laughs> scenes, and you have like the audience just completely losing it and laughing and having a great time. That's mm. kind of because everyone everyone kind of points to BFI in those events and says like, oh, but why would you go to watch something that you could easily watch on DVD? But there's kind of you get the atmosphere, you get you get the interviews afterwards, and it's it's a unique experience watching something in the cinema that you could watch at home on DVD. You know, mm. yeah, and uh, yeah. I, I and there is something to be said for the cinema experience as well. Oh yeah, like, yeah, like uh, when we watched Galaxy Four, and like spoilers mm. for the end of Galaxy Four, but when the 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 Chumbly falls into the lava at the end, <laughs> and everyone in a packed cinema goes, ah, oh. like, mm. like that's that, that gives <laughs> that gives me life. Mm. It, it genuinely is great, and the Cushing movies and the BFI was brilliant as well. Because uh, mm. of course you have the, some of the uh, cast members afterwards up there. And I think you, you'd get a better experience out of the BFI than any other cinema watching it, because, of course, you have all of that bonus stuff at the end, and you have the atmosphere. Yeah, it's a more relaxed atmosphere than in any other cinema, because, of course, when you're watching it in, the, like, the Odeon or Cineworld, they're not going to be full of, like... Um, it's not going to be similar, because, like, the BFI... Feel, it, it's this huge cinema, but it feels more like a small, like, local one in in a way that, you know the audience is all on the same page. While you go see the Dotsu and Daleks in the um in a normal cinema that doesn't really have that kind of it doesn't like target the demographic exclusively, mm. you'll get normal people going. <laughs> Not to yeah. say that people that watch Dotsu are normal people, but <laughs> <laughs> but that you'd have like laughing and the clapping. But in a normal cinema you just won't get that. And which makes the BFI all the more better. Mm. yeah yeah it's it's a great venue as well and it's always just great to like mm. go to the the bar around the corner as well yeah and yeah. just chat with your your favorite hootubers because mm. i remember when we went um we just uh sat in the um uh the restaurant area and we all had um we just all sat there and i think it was like uh, it was on the same day as war of the centaurans so we were yes. all discussing um what could possibly happen all discussing our thoughts on the halloween apocalypse which it was just yeah it's an unparalleled atmosphere and to think that galaxy 4 can get that unparalleled atmosphere <laughs> it's quite surreal um hmm. it, 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 honestly galaxy 4 had more of a it, it, it you know um as i said i expect like i would have expected like more youtubers and more like humans to come to like city of death or something but uh galaxy 4 was just the one it was just the mm. one with like <laughs> that attracted the most attention but, yeah um, cause, like, cause, because it was the one after evil of the daleks i think mm-hmm. everyone myself included saw the vibe yeah. and the atmosphere f- online from that one and was like whatever the next one is we're going oh it's mm. galaxy 4 
yeah, we're still going. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think they should they should definitely do um more like because of course they've got they've targeted the demographic of Doctor Who fans. We all know about it. So maybe having some more ridiculous stories among the fan favorite ones would be would prove to be quite the turnout. Like Galaxy Four, even with like the evil of the Dalek type, everyone was talking about Jumblies that day. Uh, you just wouldn't you wouldn't get that with many other Doctor Who stories. Uh, that many of the serious like uh, serious Doctor Who stories. Like imagine imagine going to the BFI watching Warriors of the Deep and you just hear Turlo say he's drowned. Like that moment and all the laughs in the in the theater and maybe even like Mark Strickland sitting in the audience. <laughs> that, yeah. you, don't, you don't get that anywhere else. But um, yeah, well, yeah, I think um. I look forward to hopefully seeing it to be a five for the Bumble if I can make it, which I'm really trying to make it because that one, I've heard a lot about the story. I've uh, watched the telesnaps and anything that's available, uh, mainly the, um, was there an audio one released? I can't remember if I've heard that uh, one. But... Probably, yeah. I, they yeah. recently released uh, it on vinyl like a hmm. year ago. I don't think, um, I, I haven't heard the audio one, but um, I've uh, seen whatever's left out there and read up on the story. So, and, and it looks and, Sounds really good. I look forward to seeing how they like complement it, the animation. Mm. Some of the more atmospheric stories uh, are best in black and white. And of course, the BFI events are in color. It, it, I look forward to seeing how it kind of complements Abominable Snowman because I've heard that story is really atmospheric and really kind of. Mm. And from Telesnaps, I also got that impression as well. Uh, this, yeah, and who knows? Maybe it'll be the last animated minute missing story. Hopefully not. Mm, yeah, because mm. yeah, because I think that's one reason why a lot of people might try and head mm. to this BFI event because there's no collection sets announced for the near future either. We, we yeah. know that they're in the pipeline, but yeah. there's been no announcement, so we don't know when the next time uh, mm. that this is going to happen. So yeah, but yeah, with Abominable Snowman, I've not watched any version or heard anything. I don't mm. really know anything about it, uh, but I've seen the uh, eight millimeter film from location that's in mm. color. And that uh, the shots of Fraser Hines and Deborah Watling trying to like, like walking up the hill, like clearly exhausted, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the just the the um, the Yeti costumes and some of the guys like half out of it, so it's like the full costume but the <laughs> just a human head on top, mm. and just them just walking around like they've <laughs> they've just gone to a pub, uh, yeah. yeah so like it it went on location like the locations look terrific in that film as well. So hopefully yeah. the the animation will be able to capture capture the scale of that environment kind of like they did for galaxy 4 because mm. galaxy 4 was just filmed on a like a 10 foot by 10 foot set but it's meant yeah. to be a whole desert planet uh, and the animation has its limits but it was able to at least give credence to that yeah look like a edge planet of course with the more budgeted who it, it has its charm it, it has mm. it definitely has its place it, it, it's very charming in a you know, when uh, when I got into Classic Hero as a kid, I watched, like, Time Flight and Warriors of the Deep, uh, like, my first stories. Oh, some, dear. Some of my first stories, but, like... How, how have you stayed a fan? <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I was a kid. I couldn't see they were low budget, so I kind of got used to it in a way. Like, I think that that's kind of... The entertaining thing about introducing someone to, like, introducing a kid or someone to um, who with, like, the worst possible episode you can... Um, <laughs> Recommend yeah. is that when you show them the best, you've set their expectations so impossibly low to the point yeah. which they get used to those kind of expectations, but they also see the best of it as they go on. 
Yeah, it's the equivalent of if you can't love this show at its worst, you'll never. <laughs> how can you appreciate it at its best? <laughs> yeah, I, I recently introduced someone to the show. Um, they were mainly a horror fan, so I did use quite a lot of the horror ones. It was a very weird selection. Um, I, I mainly relied upon my sister, who's watched it with me growing up, but she's not you know, making a YouTube channel, not as huge a Doctor Who fan as I am. But um, the first one she chose was um, World War, uh, Aliens of London, World War Three. Mm-hmm. which was it's a great episode of course the cgi was a bit dated and that got a few laughs um <laughs> and of course the fasting aliens of course that thing but i personally love the slovene and then after that i think um yeah we watched we went from that to midnight which was quite the jump <laughs> um uh and yeah going from fighting aliens to a uh copycat uh unknown creature and then we went from that to blink uh which of course is most people's or quite a lot of people's recommendation for uh, what you've been introduced, and then we went from Blink to the Lodger. Ooh, okay. So, you, so you're hopping <laughs> doctors and eras, and yeah, that yeah, was my, that's um, interesting. That was my sister's recommendation because funny James Corden. Uh, that's the, <laughs> the oh, only oh. reason. Um, that was the one they liked the least. Um, and, you know, it, it's very um, it's it's a story i'll give it that i I do (laughs) i enjoy moments but it's very much the doctor being a bloke and very much like the writer you can see he's self-inserted himself into it quite a bit yeah uh, yeah. through the doctor and uh uh everyone pretty much hates that writer for good reason uh you know he's a horrible person but uh the episode itself without thinking about the writer it's a good filler episode, but they didn't particularly enjoy it, and neither did I. Because <laughs> you know, we had, we had that kind of shared experience where we we're all kind of feeling secondhand embarrassment and cringe. Hmm. So yeah, and then we went from that to Dalek. Which, <laughs> yeah. Imagine all the ambulances getting called to your place for all the whiplash. Yeah, I know. It was literally the definition of emotional whiplash. But they did enjoy it all and enjoyed the show by the end of it. Uh, we go, um, that made I introduced is going to uni with me uh, later on this year so I will be introducing them to the rest of the show throughout mm-hmm. my time there and uh, I will be invading like movie nights and stuff and putting on love and monsters yeah <laughs> hey folks have you ever watched Pyramids of Mars <laughs> oh god Classic Who is another story like introducing someone to Classic Who I imagine is way more difficult than you Who because of course different pacing um <laughs> You know, it's, it's a different, different, uh, 10 year different period in human history for TV, especially, mm. especially with binge watching nowadays. Um, you know, with uh, it's much more difficult to do that for classic group because obviously you're just binge watching one story really than binge watching an entire season in one night, unless you're an experienced fan. And, you know, I've, I can watch series 20, season 24 in one night or season 26. Mm. I think uh, most two fans can. and really just stay awake by the end of it yeah <laughs> what, what stories would you use to introduce uh people to new who i know it's a common question but yeah no, no. yeah it depends on um uh yeah it, it's context dependent like if it was like your friend who's like horror like a big fan of horror then maybe something like blink maybe something yeah. like the empty child mm. or something uh, would i think that'd be a good approach i think it's really safe to just say like start with rose because mm. that is just such a good because yeah. i think if you go anywhere else like even in the 11th hour like oh this guy's just crash landed where's he come from I mean, that could be part of the mystery 
Yeah. But then by the end of the episode, he's stepping through a hologram of like 10 other faces. And it's like, what? Yeah. Uh, I think I think there is to, like, not to say that it's an you can't enjoy it as a as a jumping off point, but there still may be a few moments which elude a bit for, for mm. the uninitiated. Like, oh, there's this whole other thing that I need to get into. So mm. I think something something like Rose is a really good jumping on point, and it is just a really good story in and of itself. Like that, like depending on how you watch it, the, the sound mixing is a mess and it's a bit overly edited. But yeah. the the but the mystery of like Rose trying to figure out who this mysterious northerner is it's such a strong and striking introduction as well because like because yeah. the the opening where rose is in that basement i for the uninitiated it could you could have like the auton strikes the arm down cuts to the opening credits and mm. that's your pre-credits and mm. that blonde who's gone into the basement is now not the character main character anymore and bam martha jones on the street that's one Have thing you... um I, I i do enjoy how rose just starts with the title sequence no no um mm. No pre-credit, um, no pre-credit sequence. It just goes straight to business, and yeah. you know, there's it, always that first moment where you, it, the first time, like you watch a title sequence or anything. It's kind of uh, growing up when, uh, like, when there was an, and even still now, like when there's a new title sequence, it's like this must-watch moment. Not skipping mm. the intro, just, yeah. and it's like a different yeah. vibe each time. So, like, watching uh, people watch it for the first time is great, and you, you do kind of get that. It's a unique experience watching it with someone else, especially for the first time, for sure. And I think starting with the title sequence straight away kind of sets the tone in a way, sets what you're getting into. This kind of, it's it. Well, the title sequence is a mess, and <laughs> so is the show at the best of times. So it yeah. does kind of set the president set what you're getting into. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a nice like um, way to just immediately immerse you into the show rather than. If the first time you're watching a show, you're three or four minutes in, and now it's the opening titles, then it's like, maybe it might just be me and my inability to focus, but that could be a, a reason to like, okay, we'll pause it, we'll just get something to drink now, or mm-hmm. okay, now we've, let's le- let's leave now, or let's put, get our phones out while the title sequence... No, because you, you open with it, it means mm-hmm. that the rest of the story can go on uninterrupted, yeah. even if it is just those opening three or four minutes, to actually grab a, a new viewer <laughs> yeah i think um and yeah and with that for new who and with classical in particular you can definitely take more breaks during classical because of course with the structure of it and everything what would you introduce people for classical because that's a whole different kind of style mm. uh, it's i imagine it's all, all the more complicated to introduce modern day viewers to something uh if they're not used to classic tv mm. um it can be all the more difficult especially uh, like i got into classic who when i was really young like six seven so <laughs> really getting back getting into it then gave me enough time to kind of process it as i got older and i just it was immediately hooked being so young but introducing it to say like 18 to 20 something or 30 something or 40 something or even 50 something it can be quite difficult i, I assume it, yeah well, yeah this is why i think that no matter what happens over the next 10 years, the success of the Russell T. Davis era mm. in pure, like, build-up and numbers can never really be emulated again. Yeah. Because when the show, when Series 1 finished in June 2005, I was like, okay, the, this new Doctor's coming back at Christmas. You've got a good six months until more Doctor Who. Oh, but wait a second. There's, like, nearly 30 years of TV that I can actually, <laughs> like 
immerse myself in between now and Christmas. For yeah. that's and Doctor Who Confidential was a great way to oh, like, yeah. inform newcomers that there was like this whole history before they play clips and montages from the classic yeah. series. Um, as someone who really loved the Daleks in 2005, th- that was my first port of call for the two entertaining DVDs, like Remembrance of the Daleks on DVD. I I ordered, a, I thought it was the Daleks Invasion of Earth with William Hartnell, but then when it arrived, it turned out it was the Peter Cushing films. Ah. So, yeah, so I, I watched those uh, and Remembrance of the Daleks and then moved on to the Cybermen and mm. yeah, that was my exposure to the classic series. So it would depend on who I'm introducing it to as to where I'd start. If they're really big into like Hammer Horror, then some Philip Hinchcliffe, you can't really go wrong. Oh, yeah. uh, like, you know, Pyramids of Mars or Hand of Evil, Image of Fendal, mm. stuff like that. But for like, if someone's favorite doctor is Peter Capaldi, mm. maybe Tom Baker or Colin Baker would be a good yeah. way to go. Think- um, if there are so many different factors in introducing someone to particular parts of the show or even introducing them to the show itself, like age demographic, um, what genres they're particularly interested in, because Doctor Who does everything. Everything. Yeah. There are a few genres that it doesn't do, but um, you know, you, you wouldn't expect Doctor Who in a police drama or a, yeah. a hospital drama or something like that. <laughs> that? Yeah. yeah. We, basically, we as a fandom, and I'm setting this homework for everybody, we need to find a way to have good answers for like, where do we start with the classic series without mm. a spreadsheet we, yeah. we, ne- we need some common ground mm, <laughs> but i'm thinking sure. i'm thinking if somebody is really big into matt smith maybe yeah. uh trouton or davison mm. if somebody's really into tenant once again tom baker um or peter davison again mm. uh, if somebody loves eccleston uh maybe sylvester mccoy yeah. Uh, you, you know, like obviously it's going to vary, but I mm. think once you kind of know how they got into it in the first place, you could use that to inform the next choices. If they if they watch series two and they love the Cybermen, then you know Earthshock or mm. Tomb of the Cybermen, and then let them let let them find out their own journey. I think if you give them an anchor starting point, here's one or two DVDs max. Hit don't have here's Here's my collections and my steelbooks. <laughs> Go. Uh, if you give them a starting point and then let them take the lead, mm. I think that's the best way. And then they can come back to you. I'm like, oh, I watched Horror Fang Rock. And you're like, yes, my lad. I think um, the, the way I got into Classic Who, of course, I mentioned the episodes. I think uh, the first like the first few episodes I watched were the acclaimed ones before I went into like timeline, uh, time, um, the flight and... Um, uh, because I can't remember the fir- very first one I watched. Uh, I, I had, like, this weird childhood memory, which, like, remains as a dream for some time, of Perry turning into a bird, which I later found out was Vengeance and Varus. Oh, no, wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Vengeance and Varus. Which uh, I remember watching that from, like, um, it was, like, a cot in my living room. And, like, I remember, like, it, when, when I was a kid, I was just having this dream of that happening, and it turned out to be an actual episode. Which, <laughs> to be fair, if you did see that episode really young, you'd expect it to be a dream because <laughs> they got that that scene is very um trippy. It's very um it's, it's not something that you'd think was real. <laughs> but um, I like my my dad had a DVD of like um the Centauran Experiment and the Five Doctors, so I I got into them. Pretty pretty early on when I when I I like I watched New Who first, but then like 
as a kid, I'd go to like HMV in my town and I'd walk over to the Dotsu section. It was like the Holy Grail. I'd just pick out random ones and mm. and just uh, bring them home and watch them. It was like it was like this unique feeling. Like um, as soon as you saw the DVDs, like this is where I'm supposed to be right now. This is yeah. what I want. And just going for it. Or like I remember as a kid, like with New Who DVDs, like whenever I. Um, I'd walk. I would walk past like a DVD island Morrison's, and I'd turn around and I'd like I'd like dash towards it with such like hype and uh, just going straight towards it and begging my mum to buy them. It was like <laughs> it, it was a, it was a great time to get into Doctor Who. Of course, there are merits to get into it when you're older, when you're more like uh, when you understand the stories more. Um, as per se, you can you can understand them a lot when you're a kid, like. Mm. a lot a lot of Uvians get into the show when they're children but of course when you're more of an adult you understand like the underlying themes of the story the uh what what every everything they're saying and yeah it, uh, I think um when I was introducing my friend he was very inexperienced he thought the Daleks were the doctor's best mates and um yeah. and stuff like that and that is <laughs> genuine he did think that to yeah. which everyone like we were at McDonald's when he said that and everyone just turned around and said what <laughs> um but yeah because well because yeah when i got into it in 2005 there was the bbc website which mm. was uh like a really like terrific resource really well catalogued and put together uh, like i'm just looking right now on the doctor who tv website and uh it, it, you know you're still able to go on the website and look on this the, sh- uh, the stories page find mm. the first doctor but then yeah it's weird because you scrolled yeah, this needs to be formatted better because yeah. I, I, I'm scrolling down. Okay, I want stories from the first Doctor and the first one that turns up twice upon a time. Uh, I, uh, and then scroll further down the fifth, the five Doctors and then you're at the 10th planet and like this, it, it's back to front. If you're looking <laughs> if I, for a first Doctor story, the five Doctors is not the one you recommend. No, well, like, or at least you, that needs well, introducing with a bit yeah. more context. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, uh, the default needs to be older stories first, not newest stories. Mm. And it's oh, also yeah. very picture-centric. And I think, which, you know, maybe that's, a, maybe that's okay, because it was just text. Mm. Back, back in my day, it was just text. <laughs> One um, thing um, with the original website was that it was so accessible to children as well. So when I was growing up with it, they had all these fun and games and everything. Like, they had a game where you had to... um control the TARDIS and you'd you'd collect green and avoid the red like flashes and you'd like it's like fake 3D like the mm. and then you'd like have an asteroid come towards you and you had to like avoid it and it got really difficult and yeah. depending on like what level you failed it like used a screenshot from an episode and like had you land there like uh, you'd land in like the school from uh, Family of Blood or the um, underground uh, museum from Dalek mm. then um, you had like there was one I can't remember the name of it, but it was a canine game. And like it had you playing as canine and you'd collect you'd collect these like uh bone tokens and like you'd go through like uh locations from series two that mm. and and series one it you'd start in like um London during the Alton invasion. You'd go through um uh I, I can't I can't remember many of the other locations. Uh, I think the Dalek ship was one, uh mm. New Earth Hospital with the zombies and uh cat nurses. You'd go through all these locations as canine. And they, they had all of these fun games, Attack of the Grass, which is the one that has gone down as probably the most popular uh, Doctor Who game alongside the adventure games. Uh, those ones, but like the stories and narratives and everything were highlights of most people's child, uh, Doctor Who childhoods or, you know, uh, 
teenagehoods or adulthoods, everyone was really looking at them and playing them. It, it was great fun, the website, and really mm-hmm. informative and really easy to view news and everything. And it, and it felt more... Le- it didn't feel like a generic website. It felt more like... It, it had character to it. Yeah. And I think it's co- sort of missing that nowadays with the recent one. I think it, yeah. it's got good ideas, like they're selecting like a random story for you, random characters and stuff like that. And it, it's really, it, it has, um, it's good for news and everything. But apart from that, uh, it's not really as fun as it was. Like Mm-mm. you can still access the original site, but it's not been updated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because um, you can access the original site, but if you try and click anywhere, it takes you to the brand new one. Uh, so I've been using the Wayback Machine. Yeah, uh, because yeah. thankfully someone's archived all of the pages. Mm. But I guess I forgot you could do the the story randomizer. One second, pick random story. Okay, I've got the androids of Tara. So there we mm. go. That's that's what I'm watching tonight. Apparently, <laughs> part four of the key to time. Okay, I'll pick random dot two story. But yeah, um, it's certainly less fun than it was. Um, less, you know, bring just... back the Dalek game. Yes, the Dalek <laughs> game where you had to go through the base and um. And the Doctor Who trailer maker. Yeah. Oh, and there was a comic maker as well, which is still yeah. still around now. But it's once again, I think I think they even like released a canon, apparently canon story using that um the comic maker back in uh back then. It was like Return of the Beast. It was yeah. like had the beast from series two like come to Earth or something. I can't remember it. It was insane. And then yeah, and then they a couple of years ago did something for Time Lord Victorious with the comic maker oh, as well. They did, didn't they? So it's something to do with Brian the Ood, I think. <laughs> Gotta love Brian the Ood. <laughs> uh but yeah, um it, it's certainly um it's an interesting site now. I mean it's yeah, as you said, it needs to be formatted and just done a bit better. I mean they've they've had a few hits with like uh thirteen, that infuriating game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the internet was obsessed with that. I mean, um, but uh, apart from that, I don't think there's any, been any like notable mentions of it. There's like mm. been like no like huge hits like Attack of the Grass or the Adventure Games. Which is- yeah, because yeah, because to be fair though, uh, that that the whole industry for. TV and the economics of TV and film are completely changed in the past 15 years. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Doctor Who really was kind of like the last the last gasp of it, really, which is a shame. You'll still get, like, mm-hmm. all this other stuff, with, you know, like the big like big finish and comics and books and uh, video games like Edge of Reality and Lonely mm-hmm. Assassins and such. But in terms of, oh, here's some free stuff on the website for you to play with. Here's a... Uh, uh, we've taken some resources from... BBC Enterprise mm-hmm. to do a red button short film Attack of the Grask and yeah. uh, we'll go to the proms this year. Like that, that yeah, like almost no other show gets that sort of treatment. Yeah. Like there's no, like you'll get some a lot of memes, but even though like Line of Duty it was like the biggest show unquestionably of mm-hmm. last year, was it the year before? It was um Similar. like yeah, there's no like. Mm. line of duty comic series or a range of yeah. bbc line of duty books like it's not like everyone else is getting this and doctor who isn't it's like mm-hmm. no just the economics have changed now it's very different yeah i, I just did that uh random story one i got cash Trafalgar. oh that's okay. a hey, that's a good story great story very underrated in my opinion i think it uh, yeah. 
and I do love a bit of cash of Alba. Um, yeah, I think, uh, but you're right. Yeah, the industry has changed a lot since the original site, and of course, um, it, it's it's a shame because I, I do think it's, the website has lost a lot of character because of the change in how uh, things are done, how things are viewed. Um, but uh, I think you know, I, I I do think there is more opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, improve upon the site as it is now. Yeah, I will say though that the website now, because before it was very like story focused, mm. now it's very character focused. Like you, yeah, like, I yeah. just clicked on the invasion, and they've got a whole bar of here's all of the characters in it: the second Doctor, Zoe, Jamie, Brigadier, etc. Yeah. And you, then you click on the page for Zoe, and it's like it's got clips of her mm. from the classic series and all the stories that she was in. Like, yeah, see, it's it's got lots of little other rabbit yeah. holes for you and to go like... down the random episodes you can also do the random characters i just did it and mm. got captain jack harkness oh nice yeah. <laughs> I, but yeah for, for um thankfully now because we do have youtube they can em- embed clips onto the website rather yeah. than using the old bbc mm. real-time player from mm. from back in the day my characters are hem of from curse of fenric oh, nice very nice i mean it, it's better than the surprise baron but at least uh the surprise this time for me didn't uh didn't involve what uh, what his surprises usually involve um, uh, yeah and then you scroll down and then there's like a, mm. a 28 minute youtube video of like the best of curse of fenric whereas if i tried to upload this i'd get struck down by copyright <laughs> yeah that's a whole different topic i mean but um how, how you can fit 28 minutes of curse of fenric in the best is is interesting because it's all the best just saying yeah just yeah you don't even need to pay someone to edit it just mm. bam on on youtube yeah i mean uh, one thing uh that's interesting is like it's got um some of the characters on here are from like time lord victorious it's um like the dalek time squad the katara uh brian Ude. It, it's weird how um because of course, we we have a lot of expanded media, expanded extended media characters. Yeah, of course, uh, Time Love Victorious was the big deal, the the big one. I I find it strange how they're on here though, and not many others that have been referenced in the show are on here though. Like uh, uh, all of the Eighth Doctor's companions, because I feel like that would be a great way to kind of introduce mm. someone to um, like. I think the Eighth Doctor in particular in Big Finish is quite a quite a big one, you know, it's mm. quite because of course that's a whole era there and he doesn't have much representation on this site because of his era mainly being in audio. But like if you were to like bring the companions on here from Big Finish, that'd be cool. I think that'd be mm. a nice nice thing to see. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I think it's it's also just strange that Time Lord Victorious is just it's a top banner on the site now. Like it's yeah, yeah. and like even the latest thing on it was Time Fracture, and that's no longer yeah, in London, yeah. with the rumours that it's going to be moving to Manchester. So mm. my appendages are firmly crossed. And we're back. Uh, so much for unedited. I know that's been a problem with all of mine so far, because uh, I'm not paying for to use Zoom. I think it's, you know, I, I don't have the money to pay for it. Uh, thankfully, <laughs> we've had a few guests on that, um, like Abby, she had full time, um, you know, ones that can uh, work uh, full on Zoom or like um, leave a, I hope to get Connor Chadwick on in the future who runs over to Nordios and he has one on. So hopefully I'll <laughs> be able to do that. 
But uh, yeah, so I have an idea for the rest of this, which I've just discussed with you, but for context for everyone watching, uh, because we've been discussing the website and how you can pick a random companion, doctor and enemy, I thought an idea would be to um, uh, click uh, one of those for each of them and then try and come up with like an elevator pitch or just, just a pitch in general for that character, enemy and doctor, a story that they could all fit in. So I'm going to... Um, uh, if you'd like to start or okay sure all right so doctors so i've got the second doctor oh nice teaming up with idris as in the tardis <laughs> uh and the enemy is kasavin <laughs> right Very. those are the glowy things from spyfall mm-hmm. okay so the Kasavin, in an attempt to break free from whatever pocket dimension that they were at, because they were trying to team up with the Master to do whatever that was and Daniel Barton, um, they, it turns out they are in an adjacent universe to wherever House and Idris and ever, all of that stuff happened from the Doctor's Wife, that little junk planet or whatever. Um, so uh, the Kasavin is able to use the remnants of the orange stuff from the doctor's wife that idris was when uh, and they go back in time and there's the second doctor who is with the um, the celestial intervention agency beyond war games there we go because he's got no companions um and they have to stop the cassava from trying to breach into the main universe there we go that's right, my pick I'll that's do my, my pitch. one then uh, that was so, <laughs> so much fan and law i'm so sorry all right uh i have got um i'll just do the doctors real quick uh so for enemy i've got davros always an entertaining enemy for companion i've got grace holloway which uh and for doctor i've got the third doctor so (laughs) which is that'll be for an interesting story so in this story we have the third doctor in san francisco where um he meets Grace for chronologically in his timeline, the first time they've met. But Grace has been living on for a while after the Eighth Doctor. Now, in the uh, there is actually a comic with Grace uh, where she, it is quite a uh, it's it's a part of the Glorious Dead uh, stuff where uh, she basically because he mentions being half human so many times and her having a great future, he, she kind of um, tries to use Time Lord DNA to create super soldiers. It's a weird time. And she accident- <laughs> she accidentally uses like death worm morphant, the worm creature that the master used from from like the gunge that he used to kill people. So she takes a bit of that and then she uh, accidentally goes in the complete other direction. I think um uh this story could um have the third doctor jumping out of nowhere and it could connect that for a bit of <laughs> explaining a bit of lore and everything, which will be it could be quite an easy task, depending on the writer, but, um, you know, uh, it will have to explain how that happened and how she's met the Eighth Doctor again after the TV movie. But you could definitely have the idea of Davros coming in then and trying to use the idea that she came up with to use that kind of death worm morphant DNA to create kind of this, uh, to create enhanced Daleks or... Because, you know, Davros didn't really... Uh, after a while, he didn't mind making the Daleks a little bit impure here and there to ensure their <laughs> survival. Um, and then you can have some really interesting situations with like a modern day Davros 
who's met like the fourth doctor, fifth doctor, sixth doctor, seventh doctor, eighth doctor, war doctor, ninth, then not ninth doctor, tenth doctor, and twelve. Um, most likely eleven at some point. But you could have him meet a doctor that doesn't know him, doesn't know him at all. And um, of course, it would have to be after exile, after the third doctor. But having him, he faced a lot of um, capitalist um, scientists and fascists, and he faced fascism quite a lot in his time. So having him pair with Davros would be quite an interesting pairing, especially since Davros knows everything about the doctor. But the third doctor knows nothing about Davros. Of course, he'd have to have his mind wiped by the end about Grace and Davros. But like having having Davros and Daleks in San Francisco in the late two thousands or something. Uh, of course, uh, the third doctor is on his own as well. So this would be like maybe post uh, Joe's leaving. So he's kind of a bit sad as well, you know. Uh, you know him going on Bessie into the. Into the horizon, on the horizon, um, alone. Uh, maybe at that point he's taken out and sent on a mission by the Time Lords, and they couldn't. Uh, maybe maybe they're in peril as well, which is why they can't get the Fourth Doctor or something to come deal with Avaros. So like a certain set of situations has to lead the Third Doctor to Davros, but this is going too far into a story match of producing, so <laughs> not get <into> that. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers, yes, spoilers. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's my elevator pitch. Bit complicated with the inclusion of Grace Holloway. Um, yes, we're, we're such nerds. Mm. <laughs> but um, I think uh, that'd probably be the most interesting way to involve Grace with Frey, and that'd be an interesting dynamic because they haven't met yet either. Well, mm. Grace has met the Doctor, but the Doctor hasn't met Grace. Mm. It'd be it'd be an interesting story. I don't know if it'd work as per se, but it'd be like. Um, kind of following the kind of formula that um, my series can follow sometimes, even with like the third dot to meet Davros, which will happen. But like, mm-hmm. kind of, I probably wouldn't involve Grace. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Every companion, I would not involve Grace. As much as I love Grace and she's a great character, her and the third doctor would have, well, actually, from a viewpoint of a doctor and she went into science afterwards, maybe her and uh, the third doctor would have. You know, but but yeah. Anyways, that's my that's my pitch. That's my okay. random random. Yeah, nice. Yeah, when you start mixing up characters like that, mm. you, you you kind of have to start digging a bit deep in order to how do they yeah. meet up? Like how how does Idris from series uh, six meet up with a season six second Doctor? <laughs> what on earth is going on in this planet? Yeah, I think um. That's definitely one of the challenges I face. If, if I want to tell, because uh, of course I play with like the toy box of Doctor Who a lot of the time. I think the third Doctor and Davros and other Doctors that haven't met Davros meeting him uh, is a good example because um, I created a story that was kind of like an event where like um, it isn't finished yet, but um, the ones I've released so far have like the Cushing Doctor meeting the Goodison Davros from Destiny, and it'd mm. be like the first Doctor meeting. Um, uh, he met the uh, Wisher Davros. So from yeah. Davros, it's an early point. And it'd be like second dot to meeting Bleach Davros. Uh, no, wait, second dot to meeting Molloy Davros. And there'd be like complete chaos. But it, it, the context behind it was like Gallifrey's being destroyed by this like enhanced group of Daleks. And they could only contact those doctors in particular. Mm. Uh, they couldn't get any from the future. So kind of like a free doctor situation. And so they kind of, they're sent on these missions um and uh they also send like um 
mediators to kind of intervene so you can kind of push future companions in there as well mm. um so like it's all it's all about the context I, I i personally believe that most if not all stories can be achievable like you can mm. have the third doctor meet grace holloway for example or or davros um mm. it's all about how you go about it not like, i think i think at one point i think a lot of um extended media uh writers in particular uh I I, ima- I can imagine uh, one of them like going on this website and clicking random character, random um, if they want to write like a sequel or prequel, like random character, random monster, and random companion. I think um, hmm. oh yeah, there's there's the next four four big finish box sets. <laughs> Bam. Yeah, I it, it, it isn't the worst way about going things as long as you have a few stories without reoccurring villains and characters littered throughout, then it can make make things interesting you know mm. um yeah yeah absolutely it reminds me of um in dalek universe which is the 10th doctor range for big finish where they had him meet terry malloy davros mm. because he goes uh, he gets thrown back pre-time yeah. war and it's the dalek mavellum war from the 19 uh from the 1970s and 1980s and that's terry malloy davros for the most part that is and, it's a wonderful set of yeah yeah, so you've got um, the Tenth Doctor who like knows what's going to happen with the Time War and the Daleks and Davros and everything, and and Davros has no idea that this future is is about to happen. Mm. That, that, like that's that's conceptually really interesting. Yeah, and I think um, River Song as well is a prime example of her going back and practically meeting every Doctor at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's always fun every time because they all have different dynamics, different. Mm motives and perspectives on what's going on especially river who's you know got this perspective from a future standpoint while the other characters have a past perspective uh, mm. where they don't know what's going to happen i think it, it's very interesting and very it's an intriguing way of storytelling and one that i often go into quite a lot i think um it, it's um one i'm going into with a future release that i'm working on which is my darkest most emotional political story i've ever mm-hmm. written ever uh and um i think yeah it's, it's a fun way of doing things i think um, mm. as mentioned earlier there's a there's it's great working with um a limitless uh toy box but it's also really insightful and brilliant working with a limited toy box because that's how they run with the show you can't although I, I do feel like they're kind of leaning into that kind of limitless aspect of like um beep the meep or like <laughs> yeah, yeah. neil patrick harrison as possibly the toy maker um it, it's kind of they they are leaning into that as well as being limited i think i i i i think there's i think the only limit i i, I think there are there is as you're right you are right with the limited toy box and limited limitless toy box but i think the only genuine limit with both is how much you can write how much you can imagine it, it's the only limit is your imagination Mm. Even if you give yourself a few select characters and settings, it's what you do with it that counts. It's what you do with the stories you're wanting to write. That that's the only limit, the imagination. Mm. Yeah. And and also what it would um entail for the characters. Like just for fun, I decided to just do another randomizer and I got the the war doctor, mm. Katarina, uh, <laughs> and the enemy is Rassilon. Ooh. And it's like there's absolutely a cool time war story where, oh, yeah. uh, oh doctor, well, uh, if you do this mission, we can bring um, 
like we're able to bring some warriors back from the dead to help fight the time war mm. and Katarina could be one of them and then it's about the morality of like um of like the the, the fate that Katarina eventually like underwent in the in the classic series and like would you bring her back for a second chance if even if it meant dying in the same way like yeah it's about what it reveals about the characters i guess mm. it will be about what um even if the logistical nuts and bolts of how on earth to do the third doctor and grace holloway meet if the character or the if the character works interesting uh conceptually and hopefully in execution as well you can justify a lot yeah i think I, i'm i'm just doing it again oh this one's relatively simple the one i just got uh, the 10th doctor and martha jones meet uh the shoal of the winter harmony so you could have like uh kind of a sequel to um uh, you could have a sequel to the, the Return of Doctor Mysterio, but in that, like the doc, the Doctor appears to Unit in the future with Martha, who you could have isn't working for Unit yet, so you could kind of get, oh, this is kind of because of course she didn't meet Unit during. Well, she did she? Oh, that's on my mind now. She didn't. Which one, Martha? Sorry. Yeah, Martha in series three. Yeah, uh, in um. Because she worked with them in series four, but I don't yeah. think she had any interaction with them in series three. Yeah, I don't think she met them. So having her kind of meet unit at like a future point and like having them, uh, because of course, the return of Doctor Mysterio ends in a cliffhanger. So having like a sequel to that story, but like with a different Doctor and companion would be very interesting. I'd like to see that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's what I got. I think uh, <laughs> the problem with this is that uh, I've gotten like Captain Jack seven times. Um, it's a sign <laughs> it's constant bam and jump scares <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah so um, so it's, it's been a very interesting year for you hasn't it because it's been a very big year for you because you got married this year that was it mm. yeah yeah well yeah, yeah. Uh, well legally got married last summer um oh. during lockdown uh, mm. like that the paperwork stuff had the yeah. ceremony and everything this year but yeah it's been, been busy times it's been yeah. good though that's great to hear. I mean, yeah, um, congratulations again. Of course, I think you a message around the time, but yeah, congratulations again. <laughs> um, yeah, and of course, you've had live streams over the recent years and the videos, and it's all brilliant, all absolutely brilliant. No. I absolutely oh, thank love you. your content. Um, and I think we're kind of coming to the end of this uh, now. I think we've discussed pretty much everything. Yeah, just everything really. And um. Uh, if there's anything you want to promote, and it, it, of course your channel, everything, uh, by all means, say now and then I'll end it off with my usual segment. No, no, well, terrific. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a really good chat. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Uh, so uh, if you aren't following me already, you can follow me on uh, YouTube. Uh, my username is Mr. Tardis. I do mostly weekly live streams, mainly on Monday evenings. Uh, talk about all things Doctor Who and general TV media and stuff as well. Uh, I'm trying. I'm currently in the midst of doing my next December marathon because uh, for the past few years, every day in December, like an advent calendar, you'll get a video um, talking oh, yeah. about like a particular facet of Doctor Who. Back in 2020, it was Dalek, so I reviewed every single Dalek story uh, throughout the month of December. 2021, it was Cyberman stories for no, no, uh, no, no. Sorry, yes, yeah, so 2019 Daleks, 2020 Cyberman, 2021. I did the top 50 Doctor Who scenes of the revival. Uh, and I'm currently working on the next one. I'm not ready to announce it yet because I'm early enough in the making of it that if I decide no, uh, I, I'm able to do that. 
Um, but watch this space, basically. You can follow me on Twitter at Trilby Reviews. That's T-R-I-L-B-E-E Reviews. Um, and yeah, that's, that's basically it. Thank you. Yeah, well, um, I usually end off uh, each, uh, each of these by telling one last story. Uh, it's the same story every time because um, uh, basically when uh, I, I finished college recently, um, not recently now, it's been quite a while, uh, but with every other one, it's been recent. And with uh, this one, uh, obviously in quite a while, but um, I, on the last day of my college, uh, we did this short film, like um, celebration of the work we'd done and awards show. And everyone was handed awards. Well, not everyone, but the people that had won awards got awards and the people that didn't get awards got a certificate. Now, uh, I have an award here, but it's not one I earned. It's one I stole. (laughs) I grabbed it off the desk at the end. And uh, yeah, so I hand this to you now, uh, metaphorically or whatever. And uh, as a gold star of approval for my guest, now you'll know if you were right. Uh, Which is a joke I make every time to every guest. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so that's all I really uh, have to say to end pretty much every talk that I have. But you've been a brilliant guest. It's been amazing talking to you. And uh, yeah, so thanks for watching, everyone. Make sure to subscribe, leave a like, comment. And yeah, see you around. Yeah, take care, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> all right. And-